He's got a beautiful backswing. Dad, oh, he got all of that one. Oh my gosh. That is amazing. Lay up with an iron into the hazard. Well, that wasn't quite what I meant, you know. What is good, everybody? Welcome into the 73rd Old Podcast, the official podcast of Golf Oklahoma. Sam Humphreys, Taylor Williams, Jim Woodward with you as always. And boys, we have a bunch to get into today in the game of golf. More coming out of the Ryder Cup discussion we'll get to in the second segment. Rose Zhang wins her second back-to-back national championship individually. We'll get to uh, the women's national championship in the second segment as well. Oak Tree National has a new director of golf. We'll tell you who that is later on in the show. But guys, let's get to professional golf here in this first segment. And Liv is headed to Trump National DC, fellas. And we always get story time with Woody here on the podcast of, you know, times Woody has played places. This is my opportunity to uh, have a little story time with Sam here today. Back in 2013, I played in the Junior PGA Championship at this golf course, and it's an unbelievable golf course. You guys are going to really like watching it this week if it's anything close to what it was 10 years ago in 2013 when I played it when I was like 16 years old. Um, By the way, Trump and Tony Kornheiser were the speakers that week. This was before Trump was ever even running for president. He was just famous from The Apprentice. He spoke and flew in on his helicopter twice and, you know, took pictures and talked with every player. That was a cool experience. But, fellas, I went back and I looked at this leaderboard from this junior PGA at Trump National D.C., Tyler McDaniel ended up winning the golf tournament, but there's some familiar names up here at the top. Sam Burns finished second. Brad Dalkey finished tied for third. Cam Young finished fifth. Uh, you had Doug Gim and Sam Stevens up there. A bunch of big names in this golf tournament. Cameron Champ finished 18th. And then you had guys like Scotty Scheffler and, and Davis Riley withdraw. I think they were playing in you know some other tournament at the time or it had something to do with the U.S. Junior, but... Fellas, this golf course is an interesting one, and you guys are going to see this week that you can go low on this course, but you can also make some numbers. I had a roller coaster week that week, guys. I shot 70, which is one under, par 71. I'm not sure what they're playing the par at this week, but I shot 70, 80, 69, uh, and so I missed the cut by one shot, fellas. So it was a roller coaster week to me, but it's one of those times you look back on things you did as, you know, when you're playing golf, you, you don't really appreciate it as much in the moment, but when you look back, that was a really cool experience, and I can't wait for people to see this golf course T-Dub, it's an awesome one. It's right on the Potomac River, and obviously, you know, great field this week. Brooks Kepka, we'll see if he's uh, off his bender. We'll see how he actually plays, but we'll get to the players in a second. But T-Dub, this is one of those courses that I feel like is one of those hidden gems that we haven't seen in professional golf, but has held some big-time tournaments in the past, and I'm excited for the world to get to see Trump National D.C., so I figured I'd start the show off with a little story time uh, for you guys right there, but I'll let you guys have the floor now. 
Oh, Sam, just just go back to that field that, that you played in. I mean, you missed some, some pretty big names. I mean, you had Will Gordon was in that field as well. Dylan Meyer, who was a fabulous player at Illinois. Uh, Brayden Thornberry, I believe, was an NCAA national champion. So, I mean, I mean, Sam, I mean, that was an all-star lineup tournament there. So, I mean, I don't feel like there's any shame in missing the cut only by one shot. I mean, it was a pretty deep field. If you could have gotten just a little bit better play in that second round, <laughs> uh, you you would have had, you would have been making a run at old Tyler McDaniel for that for that championship. Um, but but no, I, I mean, I, I've never played this course. I, I've never seen it myself. Obviously, seen pictures of it, seen some tournaments that have been contested there. But I'll definitely uh, leave the floor to you to kind of tell us what kind of game that it suits. Um, I mean, it seemed like just, just for playing it. I mean, is it one of those courses where if you're just a little off that you can get, like your score gets higher, you know, well, obviously if, you, if things aren't going that way? Or is it, or are you going to be able to manage your misses? Well, obviously this was the junior PGA championship, so it was set up harder than any other golf course that you played in junior golf, really, maybe other than like the U.S. Junior or something like that. But they had really long rough that week, and I think it's bluegrass, uh, Woody. So it, there was a premium at least that week on hitting the fairway. I don't know how long they're going to have the rough for this live event. There were a couple drivable par fours. I remember the par threes being pretty tough. Um, and then obviously the great scene on 18 that they have with the giant waterfall. Um I, I don't know. I, it was 10 years ago, T-Dub, so I, it's kind of tough for me to you know remember every single integral part of the course. I do remember that there's native grass out there, but you have to hit it way offline. But I just remember that bluegrass rough uh, right off the fairway that was pretty penalizing, at least that week. There was a premium on, on hitting the fairway for sure, Woody. I have never seen it, Sam, so I'm like T-Dub. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to rely on you this week to tell us about what it is. It sounds like typical one of those Trump golf courses, very picturesque, a lot of uh, waterfalls and stuff like that. My question is, I remember, guys, where was the golf tournament going to be? Where was the PGA going to be when the PGA of America booted Trump? Was it at this golf course? It was at Bedminster. That's where they had the, uh, the live event last year. Oh, okay, okay, okay. I couldn't remember which one it was at, so... Uh, oh, that is the reason them booting that way while we had the uh, PGA Championship at Southern Hills. That's right, right, right. I just couldn't remember exactly which one of Trump's places that he moved to live tournament to. So, I don't know, guys. I, I'm sure it's like Brooks Kepsi, like us. We're, we kind of got a little bit of a hangover. I mean, even though Colonial's a big event and this is a big live event, boy, just after that PGA and all the excitement we had that week, I'm I'm trying to get motivated for another week of golf, but it's just not the same when you don't have a major week. Yeah, no doubt about it, fellas. But, you know, we have Colonial this week. We'll get to that in a second. But talking about our favorites for this week, at least analytically, Brooks Kepka is the favorite on Data Golf. But the analytics, T-Dub, are not factoring in the fact that he went on an absolute bender of epic proportions after winning the PGA Championship, drinking out of the Wanamaker Trophy afterwards on the flight, got back. I don't know if he even slept. Then he went to the Panthers game, was going absolutely crazy at the Panthers game. Then we saw him a little more mellow with Jenna at the Heat game last night, but I'm sure he took a flight either this morning or last night to Washington, D.C. to play in this live event. Uh, you have Cam Smith up there, Mito Pereira, Dustin Johnson, and Joaquin Neiman are your top five favorites for Trump National D.C. T-Dub, do you think the winner comes out of those five? 
I'm going to say probably so. Um, I mean, in all honesty, maybe not because a lot of these guys played in the PJ Championship last week, so we're going on three weeks in a row because obviously they were at Live Tulsa as well. So it may be more advantageous for the guys who did not play in the PJ Championship last week. I mean, it's a pretty infamous deal. Martin Keimer decided to skip the PJ Championship, and then he's playing this week, and he played the week before. So that's a fairly interesting thing to see. So I, I don't know, Woody. I mean, those, those top guys are just so talented. So I feel like I'm probably have to lean up in there. But I mean, even guys just outside of that, you have Patrick Reed, Charles Howe third, TG, Harold Varner, who's been playing really good. And even Bryson, who's sort of trending as well. So uh, I, I don't know, even, even looking more at it, I actually probably going to change my pick. I'll probably go with someone outside of it just because whenever you add up the fact that they didn't play in the PJ championship, uh, those guys, I feel like they'll have a little bit more advantage. And then also, too, just with it seems like some of those guys in the sixth range, particularly Woody, have just been playing really well. You hit that right on the mark. I don't see those other guys being such a big favorite this week. I think it'll come from somebody that was actually not in the PGA. I might be way wrong, but I think what you're saying, T-Dub, is those guys three weeks in a row is a lot of golf for them, especially when you put a major in between. A major is like on steroids. It's like three tournaments in one tournament. So as far as wearing a guy out. So I don't look for those guys to be favorites this week. I, I can't see them getting up for this. I just don't see it. Yeah, fellas, I'm sure that the big names are pretty tired or pretty much, you know, all the guys that played in the PGA Championship, played in Live Tulsa and and are having to play here are going to be a little bit tired. I'm not necessarily sure how Brooks is going to do. DJ, I'm not sure how locked in he'll be. A big name on Live that I feel like might be locked in to make a little bit of a statement and who is playing some really solid golf right now is Cam Smith, and I think that this course sets sets up pretty well for a Cam Smith. Now, there is some water on this course. Tom Fazio design, especially on the back nine, you can make some birdies, but you also have to avoid the water. It's a just over 7,400-yard golf course this week, but the greens are really, really good. Um, I am leaning T-Dub towards Cam Smith this week. I, I think that he kind of, out of all those big names, has something to prove since he hasn't won yet on live this year in 2023. I mean, it's hard to go wrong with that pick for sure. I mean, he's been playing some really good golf. Ninth in the PGA, second at Liv Tulsa, lost in the playoff, and then seventh and fourth in Singapore. So has not finished outside the top ten last four events. And as we saw up at Tulsa, the putter has just been on one of the legendary tears, sort of like it was at the middle of last year. So I definitely could see Cam Smith was playing particularly well this week. Another guy who's been playing particularly well or has been getting a little bit better is, is Omito Pereira. He didn't play particularly well at Tulsa, but finished uh, fifth in Singapore and then finished 18th uh, last week of the PJ Championship and lost almost half a – lost actually more than half a shot on the green. So he's hitting the ball exceptionally well from all the metrics. So the analytics definitely kind of, definitely like Nito this week. He's at, uh, what is he, the fourth favorite, I believe. Yeah, we're just right behind Dustin, Cam, and Brooks ahead of Amito, Joaquin Neiman, Patrick Reed. But, but Woody, I mean, one thing I'm 100% certain of is that there's zero chance that I'm taking Brooks Kepka this week. I mean, with all the off-the-course stuff that he's been doing recently and just classic Brooks fashion to not uh, not show up for a tournament that's not a major. He had been peaking at the right time wanting to win one. I feel like this is definitely a time where he's going to sit back and relax and just, uh, you know, just kind of hit the ball around the lot. T-Dub, what you were talking about was absolutely right at it, dude. Uh, Brooks Kepa, not a chance. <laughs> I love your meet of prayer. You know who I think is going to come back to us? Who's that? By Taylor Deuce. Yeah. What do you think about Taylor Deuce? No, this course. Taylor's going to play good. 
this course sets up well for him. I think it sets up well for a guy like Harold Varner as well. You know, it, it's a it's just over 7,400 yards, but I don't necessarily think that it just favors the Bombers. There's a lot of birdies out there if you can hit some fairways. And I might be way off on Gooch. I, I mean, I might be. But I, I just think, you know, he had a run there, and then he had that Tulsa thing where he was so busy, and then he just didn't play very good at the PGA. And now with the Open – Still that controversy. I think he might want to just stick it in their ear again. You know, one more win, just say, yeah, I should have been in L.A., but I know I'm not, and move on from there. One thing I'm worried about, Gooch, guys, I mean, we, we talked about up in Tulsa all the, all the stuff that he had to do that really made him a little bit more exhausted. Then he just came off of a major championship. So I, I did see from his social media he did get to come back and spend some time with his family, so hopefully he was able to rejuvenate a little bit, but he has been playing a lot of golf recently. But I do like Woody's pick. I do think TG is going to definitely come back and have a better uh, week for sure. And one thing, guys, is that uh, someone who's playing pretty good golf is Sergio Garcia. I mean, he uh, he qualified for the U.S. Open just as of yesterday or two days ago, however long ago it was, and lost in the playoff in Singapore. Um, finished around middle of the pack in Tulsa, finished 24th, and I did not play at the BJ Championship. So maybe he's a guy that's somewhere down the list that you can look at. Uh, Dean Burmester, another guy who we got to interview up at the uh, up at the tournament as well. He uh, he finished. Uh, he made the cut of the PJ Championship, uh, but but finished a little bit further down the pack, and then finished eighth in Tulsa as well. So it's just kind of what I was talking about earlier, Sam. I just feel like there's some guys outside of that top five, even though a lot of those guys up there are playing so well. That uh, the definitely the middle of the pack on Live has definitely strengthened up a, a lot more than it was even uh, even just a few months ago. Yeah, there's no doubt about it. I, I would put Bryson DeChambeau in the same group as like a Cam Smith, definitely motivated to make a statement and has that confidence going. Uh, I'm looking at how they routed this course, fellas. It, it's a lot different than how I played it. The 18th hole, when I played this course, is now the first hole with the waterfall in the background. That'll be a little bit interesting to see the, the waterfall and the clubhouse in the background on number one. So they're, they're kind of coming up and then playing number two, uh, which was our number one. And, and the reason why they did this is to make... I can't remember exactly what number hole we played it as, but there's this par five and it's going to be 18 this week. And it's a long par five. There's water all down the left side, native grass down the right side, but you can get there in two, but it's a kind of big time risk reward hole, fellas. It's going to be a really interesting finishing hole this week uh, where you could see anywhere from a, a Eagle to a double, fellas. I'm really excited to see that as well. I, I kind of like what they did with the routing of this golf course, but you guys are going to love watching Live DC this week at Trump National. Any other final thoughts on, on Live this week? I, I think it's one of those weeks, T-Dub, where non-elevated event on the PGA Tour. You have Live this week, but... To me, I think it's one of those weeks where these guys, especially the ones that played in the PGA, they're probably just tired after three weeks. So it'll be kind of tough to prognosticate how some of these guys are going to play. I'm going with Cam Smith to win the golf tournament. I think that Bryson DeChambeau will play really well as well. And I got Harold Varner third in this golf tournament this week. I mean, solid picks for sure. I am going with one of your picks to win the tournament. I'm going with Bryson DeChambeau. I feel like that he is starting to trend at the right time. And I do feel like just from the things that I've seen, I just try and look up this course and from the things that you've said, here just a few minutes ago, Sam, have made me really like my pick. I do think this is a course that will probably set up very well for him, so I do like Bryson's chances this week. Another guy we haven't talked about is Patrick Creed. Finished 18th at the PGA Championship. 
last week and then has finished 12th, 14th, 3rd, and then 4th at the Masters as well, including those live events. And then Woody, another guy that I like who uh, did not play at the PJ Championship, who I think can make a run, is Peter Yulman. He's finished 25th in Tulsa and then finished 11th, 7th, 8th, and 10th and 2nd in all the other live events. So I feel like that of the guys who maybe did not play the PJ Championship, he's probably towards the top of my list there because he is definitely trending in the right direction. I think you're spot on on a bunch of those guys. I like that Mito Pereira, too. I, he's one of my three. I like Patrick Reed. And I'm going to roll the dice. I'm going to say Gooch is going to have a good week. So those those three guys, I think they're – you can talk about different guys. Those are three different cats. But I, I like those three this week. We'll see how they do. Fellas, as far as the team standings go on live up to this point this year, the four aces – are in the lead. Then you have Stinger GC, who won in Tulsa, and then the Range Goats, who won in Singapore and finished second in Adelaide. You have the Crushers in fourth and the Fireballs in fifth. Team Torquay also got a win in Orlando. Fellas, any thoughts on the team competition? T-Dub, I'll let you pick first. Who are you going with? I mean, I feel like I have to go with the Range Goats because I, I have the shirt. I actually wore it last night, and everyone was like, man, that shirt is sick, dude. I mean, it was the <laughs> star of the town. I mean, that shirt is great. I cannot wait to get Woody his shirt. It's just sitting in the back of my car just waiting till the next time I see him, and he will officially have his Range Goats gear. So I am a Range Goats fan, so I may have to go with them. But, but Woody, I feel like i got to go with the chalk, and I feel like the four aces are the team for sure. Dustin Johnson, Patrick Reed playing so well, Peter Uline on that team as well and though besides their ninth place finish in Singapore I've not finished outside the top three all year still only the one win down in Adelaide Adelaide but I do feel like the four aces are definitely the team to beat so I'm picking this hey you dirty dog I mean you know now I gotta go with your range goats okay I wasn't gonna I was gonna go the four aces but uh I'll take those range goats and I, even though I haven't got my shirt yet I know you're gonna get it to me I'm I'll go with the range goats this week how about you Sam well, by the way, guys, I have a question. Do you know who is – is Paul Casey playing for the Crushers this week? I know that he withdrew from the PGA Championship last week, but I, I really like Bryson DeChambeau uh, and Charles Howell and, and Anurban Lahiri being on the same team. So I kind of want to go with the Crushers this week. But not knowing if Paul Casey's going to play, I guess we could look it up. But I'll just go with the Rippers. I'm picking Cam Smith to win the golf tournament – they haven't really done a whole lot so far this year. I mean, they've finished, you know, they got two-fifths, a 12th, 8th, 6th, and 7th. It's time for them to kind of break through as well as a team. Kind of the same mindset that I said with Cam Smith. It's time for him to win a golf tournament. I'm going with that same mindset for Ripper GC. I'm going down the list a little bit, I know. I probably should go with, like, the Fireballs or someone like that, but I'm going Ripper GC to win at Trump National D.C., uh, it looks like Paul Casey is going to play this week. He's at least on data golf. He hasn't uh, withdrawn yet. Um, so I guess we'll see if Paul Casey ends up playing for the Crushers. So I'm going Cam Smith and the Rippers. I'm going all Australian in the United States Capitol. And T-Dub, tell us who you're going with one more time. We got Bryson DeChambeau winning the tournament. And I'm going with the chalk team, the four aces, even though, even though Woody, I got to root for your range goats too. Yeah, go goats, go goats. They got to chew a lot of that grass up. <laughs> there you go. Woody is going with the goats. Let's head to the PGA Tour, fellas. We have the Charles Schwab Challenge this week. 
the Colonial, as you know, it's better known as Scotty Scheffler is your heavy favorite this week. 16.4% chance to win the golf tournament. Tony Finau is your second favorite at a 5.9% chance to win the golf tournament. Then you have Jordan Spieth, Sung J M, and Victor Hovland. You also got Colin Morikawa, Max Homa up there as well. Pretty good non-elevated event field, fellas, and I think that's because of the golf course. I, By the way, how could I forget Michael Block? He's going to be in the field this week as well. Uh, has continued to be the star of the show. T-Dub, what are your thoughts on Colonial this week? One of the best golf courses they play, and uh, pretty good field for a non-elevated event, I have to say. Yeah, it truly is. I thought that, especially with the Memorial being next week, and then U.S. Open only two weeks after that, you figure this would have been a very opportune time for the players not to make it. But here they are. I mean, it is a very, very good field with Scotty Scheffler, Finau, and Steve sort of headlining at Sung J.M., who a lot of people picked at the PGA Championship and just did not show up, shot an 80 in the first round. Then you got Victor Hovland, who was right there at the end of without the 16th hole. He could have made a very good run at Kepka towards the end. Morikawa, Homa. Uh, Henley, then Kirk, who's played this course tremendously well over the course. I think in like 10 appearances, he's never missed a cut here. And then Tommy Fleetwood uh, down there, Fairway Jesus as well. Justin Rose, who played good at the PGA. And then Ricky Fowler as well, who disappointed a lot of people, Woody, at, at the PGA Championship. And then Sam Burns right there. I mean, I, I am actually very surprised with how many top players are playing this tournament this week. Yeah, you just had to throw that, and Ricky disappointed. And then he, you know, said Sammy said Wood. You know, you know how you get fired. That bullet, right? Absolutely, uh, you dirty dog, you. It's gonna come back to haunt you. I'm telling you, but that's okay. But I, I guys, we guys this week. I hate to say it, but the PGA Tour is such a strong field. That's stronger than live. I think I really do. This week, I do think that Colonial draws those guys from Texas. It's a great golf course, traditional golf course that they love to play. So I think that field looks pretty doggone strong. I know if I was Michael Block, I'm still riding a high, but I'd be playing with a new 7-iron. Did you see what he got offered for his 7-iron, guys? 50K? 50K. Somebody offered him $50,000 to buy a 7-iron from him. He said, well, you know, I got these other two tournaments to play. Well, he needs to take a little note out of Woody's book. You can you can hit an eight iron hard or feather a six for fifty k. You can have my seven iron. Hey, for fifty dollars, you can have my seven iron right now. If somebody wants my seven iron for fifty bucks, I'll sell it to them. No problem. I can go find another one, or I can hit a hard eight or a feathered six. I absolutely love that. Uh, yeah, you got it. You got to sell the the seven iron, right? I mean, there's there's no debate. It. Yeah, you have 100%. to. What's funny about it too is that he's using like ten year old irons, guys. I mean, it's not like they're freshly new set. I mean, this is they are. I do believe they are like the 2013 Taylor made model Woody. So that's a, I feel like getting a fifty thousand dollars is the definition of a steal. That's exactly what they are. They're 2013 kind of muscle back and. And good to hear. I mean, I love that that this guy can get free clubs. He can get free clubs till the cows come home. Um, he has something he likes. Okay, that's cool. But good lord, he's got a good enough golf swing. You can play with a broom handle if you had to. If somebody give me fifty grand for a club, it's gone. I don't care what club it is. <laughs> no doubt about it, fellas. I am going off the radar a little bit this week. Okay, but before I make my pick, T-Dub, I have a one-and-done question because all of a sudden after last week in the one-and-done when I picked Brooks Kepka and Scotty Scheffler who finished first and second in the golf tournament, I have vaulted myself up in this, what, 180-person 
one and done pool that we're in. I'm in fourth place now, so I actually, I actually have to take it serious. I didn't even make a pick for the Byron Nelson a couple weeks ago. I had not necessarily taken it serious up to this point, but now I am in contention, and I'm starting to get a little nervous here, T-Dub. So my question is, is I've never been in this position before, so do I have to save a player for the playoffs and the uh, tour championship? Like, what kind of player do I have to save for that? Should I just pick someone that I know will be in the top 30, or should I save one of these top players, you know, that I think is going to win the FedEx Cup? I mean, what do I have to do here, T-Dub? Oh, Sam, you are in the classic dilemma now, my friend. I mean, it is this is something that every good gambler has to deal with. I mean, it, this is this is the tough test. This is where minerals are made. So these are decisions that are going to shape your <laughs> one-and-done career. You, you may never be the same after this season, Sam, depending on the decisions that you make going forward. The time is now, my friend. And, and the question is, yes, you should save some players to, to the, towards the end for the FedEx Cup because what if you use 30 players now and you don't pick anyone who's even in the tournament? So there are opportunities where you could – drastically mess this up my philosophy is just try to save the players for the biggest purses that are remaining and try to give them the best opportunity to get towards the top but sam i mean you are striking at the notch had you made a pick at the byron nelson you could have been one or two at this point so i mean consequences have already come come back to bite you in the ass at some point so hopefully you don't get done at the end of the season in your second or third place by like a thousand dollars or something like that that would be not very fun that would be terrible sam sam considering i don't gamble on anything so i i'm not the guy to ask but here's the problem i already see a problem with you okay you're right there in the hunt, and you haven't even cared. You haven't thought about it. It's kind of like you're putting. <laughs> now you're going to start thinking about it. Now right. you're going to start thinking about it. Well, you can call in the dogs and piss on the fire. The hunt's over. If you start thinking about it, you are not going to win. That's right. Don't think about it. That's dude. right, Woody. I just need to keep going. doing what just I'm doing, right? It. No, the, and Do what, what I've been doing do. is – really not even making a pick on non-elevated events and then picking, you know, someone in the top five of every other tournament. Yeah, so, okay, but, I, but I am going to make a pick only, this week, but I'm I'm just going to go with the yeah, guy that I think is going to win the golf tournament. And if I run out of guys at the end, I run out of guys, right? Yeah, what the hell? You, you keep doing what you're doing, except when you skip the Byron Nelson. Don't do that again. Yeah. That's right. That was a, that was a pretty big mistake. Okay, so <laughs> the only thing I can tell you, keep doing what you're doing, except not putting anybody in. That was a no-no. All right, fellas. Well, I have the pick this week. This guy is going to win the golf tournament. I've been on quite the heater this year, not only in the one and done, but picking live as well. And I see a massive trend coming for this guy. He hasn't missed the cut. Since the Arnold Palmer, he finished sixth at the players. He finished in the top 10 last week at the PGA. His last four tournaments, he's gaining almost half a shot on the field, on the greens. And when he's putting well, he's definitely going to contend. And he's won on this golf course before, fellas. Give me... Justin Rose to win the golf tournament this week, T-Dub. I know that there's a lot of big names up there. You know, even Colin Morikawa's playing. I, we haven't really even talked about him, but I just think that Justin Rose is going to win. I loved what I saw from him last week. Woody really liked him to make a push on Sunday. He didn't necessarily do it, but he still played great golf at the PGA, finished top 10 
when he's putting well, look out. Because Justin Rose, even though he's, what, 42 years old, Justin Rose is still one of those premier ball strikers, and you have to strike it well around Colonial. And it definitely makes me happy that he's won there before, T-Dub. Colonial is absolutely a ball striker's paradise for sure. It definitely sets up for Justin Rose's game as well. It played great last week in the PJ Championship. I would actually like to use Rose as one of my picks, but I believe I picked him at the Valspar or something like that. So I'm going to have to steer a different direction. What is Rose about the, the 10th favorite analytically? So I think that that's a pretty solid pick. To someone like Colin Morikawa, I think this course definitely suits up great for his game as well. It's just that this is also kind of a situation where the guys who were like a Victor Hovland, right? He was in contention at the PJ Championship last week. How much did that take out of him and what kind of form are we going to see from Hovland? I think is a very interesting question there. So it's, uh, I'm going to go, my one and done pick, guys, I'm going to go with Russell Finley. Did not play very well last week at the PJ Championship. Lost almost two shots on the greens there. But every tournament he played, the four tournaments he played before that, 19, 14, 17th, and 19th as well, and gained shots putting. In the, in the three of those last four, a decent amount putting there. And has been hitting the ball exceptionally well, gaining shots approach. Uh, five, actually, his last five tournaments has not lost shots approach since the Arnold Palmer Championship back in March. So I, I'm liking Russell Henley this week, Woody. He's only played here once. It was back in, I believe, two, 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 uh, excuse me, 2018, and he finished like 58th or something like that. So not the most course history, but it is a ball striker, especially Irons golf course. And Russell Henley's hitting his irons pretty well, so that's why I'm going with crazy pick right there. I would have never gone with Russell Henley, so that means it's probably a good pick, because you're pretty good at that. Hey, I don't know. What do you pick the winner last week? Well, but that would, yeah. you know, when you get to those majors, it's a different, it's a small little group of guys. This is another <laughs> one of them crap shoots, and I, I'm really not very good at crap. That's what I'm finding out, so, because these are a crap shoot, and I don't do well. Is Sam Burns playing this week, guys? Yes, he is. He is. And if I like him. I know he's defending champion. I just I figured he would play him. But, you know, after a PGA, anything can happen. I, I'm going to take him. I think he could do it back-to-backer. Yeah, last week. Now, he did miss the cut at the PGA last week. In the Wells Fargo, he missed the cut the time he teed it up before that. But he was on a heater. You know, guys, when he won the, the match play and then finished sixth the week before that at the Valspar, had a tied for 11th at the team event at the Zurich, finished top 15 at the RBC, finished 29th at the Masters. Sam Burns, yeah, I kind of like that pick. It seems like one of those guys that's kind of due to have a good week after missing a couple cuts, T-Dub, and, and obviously defending champion has good vibes there as well. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, one in the playoff last year against Scotty Scheffler made the long putt off the back of the green. I mean, had Scotty Scheffler won that tournament, we could be looking at him as even a more legendary run in his last 18 months than what he's been on. And, and I mean, just with how impressed I was with Sam Burns at at the PGA Championship, makes me really like him as well. And he is a defending champion, as we alluded to, as well. He, even though what's kind of interesting, though, is he, is the, he did win here last year, but in the 10 rounds he's played here, he's only gaining a little bit less than half of a shot per round, which from guys that's won here, you expect that to be a lot higher. So the times that he's played here, he hasn't, or with the exception of last year, hasn't been particularly well. But I do feel like that this is a course where, you know, sort of like what he does at Innisbrook, right, where he just show up and it's a course that really suits his eye and he'll get some form. And he really likes the greens there as well. So, uh, yeah, I'm pretty high on Sam Burns this week as well. The analytics aren't high on him, but I I feel like that he's going to have a solid week. I agree with you there. Woody, my last question about the Colonial is about Colonial. Uh, Why is it one of those courses that the players just absolutely love? It seems like if you pulled tour players, there's 
two common themes that would be in everybody's top five, it seems like. It seems like Riviera is always, you know, if not number one, at least in their top five. And it seems like a ton of guys love Colonial. Why is that, Woody? Very traditional, shot-making type golf course. And you play 18 holes and they're all different. Yeah, you got some easy ones. You got some really hard ones. You got some in the trees. You got some that are open. The par threes are really good. You know, when you play golf, you don't want to get bored. And you never get bored at Colonial. Um, you know, Dow Fitzgerald Jr. was a pro there for years. And I was, I'll never forget one year I was going down there and Dow actually was going to play. And I went in his office. And for those of you guys that knew Dow and know Dow, he's a little high strung. And uh, I went in his office and I couldn't even hardly see him. There was so much junk piled in and everything, which didn't surprise me. That's like Dow always was. And he, he looked at me and he says, Woody, I'm playing this week and I got a problem. I said, what's that? And he said, well, I just quit smoking, and I, I'm, I'm panicking. I go, oh, wow. And he goes, yeah, and I also quit drinking. And it, it reminded me of that guy in that movie Airplane where he'd gotten off glue and antibiotics. And I looked at Finster, and I said, well, good luck this week, everybody. I got a funny feeling you're going to have to light up a cigarette and have a drink before it's all done. And I saw him on Sunday, and he goes, yeah, pardon. I didn't even make it six holes. I had to fire one up. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's beautiful stuff. Colonial. He liked discipline, Woody. He liked the discipline. Yeah, Colonial is just such a classic golf course, though, guys. If you, if I went to Fort Worth, I'd play Colonial and I'd play Shady Oak. T-Dub, any thoughts on Colonial? I know you're a golf course architecture connoisseur. Yeah, it's an absolutely beautiful He's a property for sure. Just as Woody was alluding to, classic golf course. Those three, four, and five, it's the horrendous horseshoe or something like that. I, I get my names on things like that mixed up. But th- those stretch of holes are absolutely miraculous. You have the par three in there. Then you have the uh, the par the par fours as well. So uh, it's just a great course design. It's one of those courses that I, I think they came out, it was, I believe, five years ago or something like that. They came out with a poll of anonymous players who they ranked the courses that they play on an annual basis. And Colonial ranked, I believe, second or third on that list. I think it was third behind Augusta and maybe Pebble Beach or something like that. So it's, the players absolutely love this place, and rightfully so. It, it's a half Perry Maxwell design, and I forget the uh, the name of the other guy who designed it. But uh, it's just it's a beautiful golf course, and uh, I, it's just so classic. And it's going to stand the test of time because it's one of those courses where the wind's going to blow and it's going to go through the trees, which is going to make it fairly difficult there as well and then you have really really good green complexes as well so uh, i just absolutely love colonial and uh, I, I agree with woody i do think this is a better field than live which is something that we hadn't seen before on a basis like that and so getting to see the world-class players on that course is going to be a beautiful thing to see when t-dub's talking about three four and five they're such cool golf holes the third hole is a really long par four that dogs like sharply to the left so you have to kind of try to cut the corner and to keep it in the fairway tough the fourth hole is a brutally long par three. And then the fifth hole, you go right down on the Trinity River, and there's a ditch on the left. I, I remember those holes so well from playing Colonial, and first time I really was around Colonial in that term was caddying for Lindy Miller at that event. So it is a, it's just a classic golf course where you drive it well and you got to hit good irons. Perfect week for watching golf. No doubt about it, fellas, and I agree with you guys. This is a stronger field than lived this week. Scheffler, Finau, Speeth, you cannot forget about at Colonial or really any time you have a tournament in Texas. You have Sung J M, Hovland, you got Morikawa, Homa, 
Fleetwood, Rose. We've talked about Sam Burns and Henley and Kirk. And you even go down the list, fellas. Ricky Fowler in this tournament as well. I think that you know, it's it's definitely deeper because then you got guys like in the in the thirties and forties for favorites. You got guys like a a Kirk Kitayama who won an elevated event or a, a Taylor Moore. Um, you know, it's it's definitely a really strong, strong field this week. This is somewhere in between a non elevated event and an elevated event field this week, fellas. I it's definitely one of the last ones we'll ever see like this, I feel like, T-Dub. Next year with the limited field no-cut events for the elevated events on the PGA Tour, it's going to even water down tournaments like Colonial next year, right? It, it really is. Yeah, once they go to no-cuts, I, I, it's going to not be a, a good switch whatsoever. Everyone will say, oh, well, Liv doesn't have a cut, but you like that. It's like th- That was the point, is that they're two different products, which is what makes it good to soak up. So, no, I, I'm not going to root for that whatsoever and uh, it took me a while to find this but i did john bradimus is the uh, architect of colonial and perry maxwell co-designed it as well so uh, john john bradimus designed uh memorial park golf club down in houston i've never played that woody you may have gotten down there to play there so uh there you go great little great pulling that one out i didn't know that but a great design at memorial in there guys what shocks me is you know we're supposed to be all homers right we're all live homers oh live 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 Yet all three of us said this is a better field on the PGA. Wow. I guess what we really are, we're not homers, are we? What we are is we're golfers, and we evaluate in an honest way. Unlike the Golf Channel and every other type of publication that writes about golf, I don't, I got to be quiet. I'm going to be quiet, but we're not homers. Thank you. (laughs) That's exactly right. We are unbiased here on the 73rd hole podcast. And if you want more content from us, you can go back and listen to all of our stuff. We did at live Tulsa or our PGA championship recaps and previews, the masters. We are at the masters this year. That was great stuff, but we got awesome stuff coming up here in the near future. We have the men's NCAA national championship coming up at Greyhawk. We're going to have great stuff coming up for that. And then the Corn Ferry event here in Oklahoma at Jimmy Austin OU Golf Club. That's coming up. You are not going to want to miss any of that stuff as well as the two more major championships coming up later in the summer. So if you don't want to miss any of that stuff, you need to hit the subscribe button on Spotify or the follow button on Apple. It's absolutely free and it just helps us out and it will give you a notification whenever we drop a new episode. You can also follow us on social media. I'm at Sam Humphreys 34 and T-Dub, give your Twitter handle and Instagram. T underscore Williams 101 Twitter, T Williams underscore 10 on Instagram. That is our personal accounts. And then you can also follow the 73rd hole on Twitter and at 73rd hole on Instagram as well. Fellas, after the break, we're going to talk Women's golf, which we don't do very often. We probably should a little bit more. We'll dive into women's college golf. We'll dive into D2 National Championship. That is interesting stuff coming up here on the 73rd Old Podcast, the official podcast of Golf Oklahoma. Hey, everyone. T-Dub here. I want to take a second to tell you about my good friends 
at McCray Roofing. Not too long ago, my roof was in desperate need of repair. There was extensive hail damage, and I had many leaks that needed attention. Not only did Jeff and his staff build me a new roof, but they walked me through step-by-step of the claims process, which is something that I was very, very concerned about. Everything from the initial inspection of the roof to analyze all the damage to meeting with the insurance adjuster to make sure they were aware of every damaged area, making sure my claim was accurate. Their custom copper creations are truly beautiful and add a great touch to any roof. Not only do they do residential roofs, but they have an elite list of commercial customers, including Gallardia Country Club, Oak Tree National, and Bass Pro Shops. Check out their website at McCrayRoofing.com to view some of their work yourself and give them a call at 405-692-4000. That's 405-692-4000. back here on the other side of the break on the 73rd hole podcast the official podcast of golf oklahoma definitely go to GolfOklahoma.org right now because this is the perfect time to do so with the ncaa national championship coming up they also have great stories on austin ekrope making it through u.s open sectionals we'll get into that a little bit more here in a second uh, you can also see all the stories on the d2 national championship we'll get to that in a second but what do you they also have a story on the new director of golf out at oak tree national obviously steve kimmel did an awesome job for so many years absolute legend here in the state of oklahoma and now they are blessed to have this great new director of golf who is very well known in the state of Oklahoma, right? Woody, tell the people who the new director of golf is at Oak Tree National. Well, he comes to us from Carson Creek, so he's got that Oklahoma State background. Rob Land is this young man. He's not a young man. He's in his 50s, I believe. But he's been around our section for a lot of years. He's been at, he, he was at Carson Creek the last 12, 12 years as their general manager. What's really cool is we are so fortunate at Oak Tree National we have John Sandell that's been here 17 years. As a, it started as an assistant, is now the head golf professional. Uh, we have had Tom Jones here for a number of years now as our GM. Of course, you got Gino McNeely that can cook a rhinoceros and it tastes good. That's so true. We, we, are, we are so lucky to have those kinds of high-end individuals at a golf club. And it's a dying breed. We talked about that, you know, about the PGA of America, how sometimes I think we're getting weaker, not stronger. Well, at Oak Tree National, we are strong. We are we are as strong as it gets. So everything about this place is first class. Rob's going to be a perfect fit. I look forward to seeing him again, meeting him. Uh, I don't know him as well as I should because I tell you guys, I don't get involved in our section near as much as I should. I hate it, but uh, – I'm really excited for this this hire, and I think it's just gonna it's gonna just push Oak Tree even further up the ladder of how such a great place it is. There's no doubt about that, T Dub. I know that uh, you've spent some time up at Carson Creek before. I I don't know Rob Land very well. I've met him a couple times, but he I mean what he did with Carson Creek was absolutely phenomenal, and I think that Oak Tree National is blessed to have. Rob Land is the new director of golf. Really a great move, I think. I completely agree. I don't I do not know him myself personally either, but I feel like that at Oak Tree National, all the crew up there definitely know what they're doing and the work that he did at Carson Creek really speaks for itself. I mean that place is just absolutely gorgeous. So it's uh 
no, it's going to be a great thing. And I feel like that, that Oak Tree National is definitely heading in, in an upward trend direction, which uh, you've seen some other really nice golf courses around the area. You kind of just feel that they're heading uh, downwards, but you feel like Oak Tree National definitely has a lot of momentum. And that's something coming from someone who isn't out there all the time like you guys are. No doubt about it. And obviously you're alluding to the new greens, the Bermuda greens. I went out, Woody, and played a couple days ago. I saw you out there fishing uh, a couple days ago. But the new greens, Woody, out at Oak Tree are hard. And I mean that literally and figuratively. They are firm and fast. And Oak Tree, especially if you get any wind out there, it's back to being one of the toughest golf courses in the country for sure. I mean, there are some of those shots that I've hit. I mean, I've been a member out there for, I don't know, what, 15 years, Woody? And I've never yeah, seen yeah. the golf course as diabolical as it is right now with these new greens. And and that's a good thing. And it's fair, but oh, it's yeah. hard. Yeah. Yeah, well, why do you think I was fishing? Okay. <laughs> I, I'm like nine holes. I said, hell, I can't do this. Uh, this. This is too hard. I mean, it was so much fun, but yet impossible. If they said to me right now, okay, they said, what do you can go have a root canal or you can play oak tree? I'd have to think about it. And that's stupid because, you know, I wouldn't want a root canal. But, Sam, what, what it showed me, those few holes I did play, is it's back to the oak tree I remembered as a kid growing up when I was in college playing here. There's only certain places you can land the ball now and even have a chance at either keeping it on the green or keeping it close to the hole. So the landing areas hitting into the greens are so small now. And if you hit it in the rough, forget it. Forget it. I'll tell you, the, the fifth hole I was playing, I was out there playing with Mark Davenport, you know, the owner of Quail Creek Bank, good friends of ours. And I was in the right rough, and the pin's in the front. And he says, what the heck are you going to do with this? I said, I'm going to chip a nine iron short of the green and let it run up the hill and hope it stays on the green. He <laughs> goes, you're going to what? And I, I said, yeah, that's what I'm going to do. And he said, well, you're not going to fly it on the green. I said, there was not a chance in hell it'll stop. So I did that with that nine iron. It happened to roll up right up about 10 feet from the hole. He goes, that was the damnedest shot I've ever seen. And I said, well. I think our members need to have that imagination. I just can't count on them to have that imagination. But, Sam, you're right on this. This son of a gun is brutal right now. I, I would tell you if you're playing a uh, outside Monday type event here or if you get lucky enough and or guests of somebody get to come up here, bring a lot of balls and bring a lot of patience because it will wear you out. No doubt about it. And we didn't even mention the new tee boxes for the pro tees. 50 yards back on seven, uh, new tee box on one, obviously, in the middle of the putting green. Uh, yeah. Crazy stuff out there at Oak Tree. I love it. it. I love that it's back to being what it used to be, especially if they Me ever too. decided to you know, grow the rough up. It would literally be impossible, <laughs> and, and that's a good literally. thing uh, for Oak yeah. Tree National, back to being what it used to be back with the old Oak Tree gang. Uh, T-Dub, speaking of your old gang, the OC Eagles are having quite the time out at the D2 National Championship. Please update everybody on the scores up there. Yeah, they're on an absolute heater playing up in Ohio. They have a 10-shot lead currently. They're 13 under as a team. Barry University, who's the number two team in the country, they're three under. The number one team, West Florida, is in third at minus one. So they, they do a sim format very similar to D1, but it's a slightly different in the sense of you have eight teams that make it. 
but they do and they do a match play style but instead of doing match play it's like stroke play matches so you have all your matches will go to 18 and instead of you winning by holes it's just the, the score at the end so kind of a unique format there situation where you could be three up with one hole to go and still tie or lose the match which is very interesting so they they have a commanding lead in the stroke play portion but as we've seen in the d1 championship a lot of times it, it could really not make a difference if you have a bad first round in the match play. So hopefully they can just steady the ship, make sure they get uh, – hopefully secure the one seed, if not their two or three, whatever, maybe one of those other teams plays good. So be it, but then get there and have a good match play force. And they do have four players currently in the top 12 individually. So I think that's a good sign uh, going into match play that you have at least four guys who you can definitely count on heading into that portion. No, that's big time. And Woody, I know you know David Lynn very well, the head coach of the OC Eagles. You mentioned on our one of our last previous shows that he gave you a little, uh, he gave you the sniffles, Woody. <laughs> but I don't know how, like when I say you guys are close, you guys are really close apparently. But anyways, I'm being serious when I say what makes him such a great coach because it, it seems like year in, year out, they're at the top of leaderboards in D2 golf. Well, it was actually Greg Lynn. It was his daddy that gave me that oh, okay. crap that I've had for two weeks. So <laughs> let's not roll David under the bus. David, David's a good dude. I like David. It's his dad that pisses me off. So I'll, I'll tell you what makes David Lynn a great coach. First off, he's a great evaluator of a, of a player. He can tell you who can play and who can. David is a really good player. He's a former club champion up here at Oak Tree National. So he can really play himself. So he's really good at evaluating his players. He's really good at coaching his players, teaching them how to do smart things, teaching them how to do the right, manage their games. Um, and he's just got unbelievable patience. He's also their athletic director, which tells you he's got to have patience because he's got to put up with so much politics and everything else, which, which makes him a great coach, in my opinion. So I've never seen David actually get flustered on the golf course a little bit, but never loses his concentration, never lets anything slip away. And I think his team plays the same way. Yeah, there's no doubt about that. I've I've kind of observed him from afar teaching people out at Oak Tree National and, and just being out there. He seems like an awesome coach. I know he is close to J.W. Vandenborn, my head coach at UMKC. Uh, big, big things happening for the OC Eagles. Fellas, you can also read a story on GolfOklahoma.org about the two things we just talked about and also U.S. Open sectionals that we had a little bit early to make it convenient uh, for the pros playing down at Colonial. Uh, the, the Dallas sectional for the U.S. Open uh, was conducted on Monday, May 22nd. And Carson Young, my ward, goes out there from Anderson, South Carolina. He goes out there and shoots 63-62 to win the sectional qualifier. He is in the U.S. Open. Familiar name in second place right there. Austin Eckroth, 64-66, 11 under, 130 for the golf tournament. Austin Eckroth will be playing in the U.S. Open L.A. Country Club. Then you have Brent Grant, Paul Haley, uh, right there tied with Paul Haley for tied for fourth. You have Sergio Garcia, and he decided to go and, and play and actually qualify for the U.S. Open 66-66, nine under par. Sergio Garcia, who obviously, if anyone has a brain and uses common sense, should 
know that Sergio Garcia, the way he's been playing recently, should be in the U.S. Open without having to qualify. But he said, screw it, I'm going to go qualify anyways and shoots nine under par, and he will be in the U.S. Open. He's played some really solid golf recently in the playoff with Taylor Gooch and Singapore. Big stuff for Sergio Garcia. Then you had... Roger Sloan, Jacob Solomon uh, from Auburn, Alabama, and then Hank Leviota are the qualifiers there for the U.S. Open coming out of that early sectional qualifier from Dallas. T-Dub, any thoughts on Austin Ekro and Sergio Garcia qualifying for the U.S. Open? Well, it's great for both of them, especially Austin, to get in. Sergio, he's played how many ever of these tournaments, so it wouldn't have as much as he deserves to play, and I mean, he's a 64th-ranked player, analytically 206 in the OWGR. So, no, he, he should be in the tournament, but it's really good that Austin, as uh, someone who's still very young and up-and-coming in his career, and hopefully he can go there, make the cut, and potentially make a run at the tournament. That would be awesome for his career. And, and Carson Young as well. I mean, as you mentioned, played some exceptional golf there. I feel like he's most known for, you see the C. Young on DraftKings or your one-and-done or something like that, and you think, oh, I'm going to pick Cameron Young. Or you think, oh, well, this price for Cameron Young is great. And you have to click on it to realize it's a Carson Young. And they are very, very drastically different players. So, But, no, he's been playing some pretty good golf players. T14 at the Byron Nelson, finished 15th down in Mexico, 19th at the RBC Heritage. Had a couple of missed cuts sprinkled in there. Had a third-place finish at opposite field, Puerto Rico. So he has definitely been trending in the right direction. And maybe someone that uh, you look at maybe in the next couple months start playing some really even better golf than he has been playing. Oh, I think it's great that Austin made it. Austin's playing some really good golf. I saw him out at Oak Tree the other day, and he was hitting balls, and he looked like he's swinging really good at it. I love the fact that he's in it. Sergio, I like, but, you know, I love the fact that Austin's in it. I think that's going to be big for him. He needs to stay on this heater. Uh, I'm really pulling for Austin to end up getting to possibly get in that tour championship. That would solidify his opportunity next year to play those elevated events which is huge, man. If you get those, your life's set on the PGA Tour. So uh, I'm a big Austin Ekro fan. Uh, I'm a big Taylor Moore fan. Uh, Both those guys, I'm pulling for to get in that elevated stuff. As we are kind of talking about players getting into events and, and not getting into events, there's been a bunch of debate, which kind of shocks me, on Brooks Kepka getting into the Ryder Cup this year. Right now, he's second on the points list in the Ryder Cup standings. Uh, he has more wins on the PGA Tour this year, in this calendar year, by the way, than Rory McIlroy, Justin Thomas, Xander Shoffley, and Jordan Spieth combined. He has more PGA Tour wins <laughs> this year uh, than all of those guys combined. But he's second on the Ryder Cup points list. I didn't even realize that this was going to be a debate when we did our recap show of the PGA Championship, but obviously Brandel and Brad Vaxon were doing their own recap show when we were on the air as well, uh, and we know how that turned out with Brandel and Brad Vaxon ending up in a little stare down with each other, but fellas, Obviously, to me, Brooks Kepka should be in the Ryder Cup, and Seth Waugh came out yesterday, the, the head of the PGA of America, and said he's not going to stop Brooks Kepka or any live player from playing in the Ryder Cup if they qualify based off of points. Now, he basically kind of alluded to in there that I don't know if he's going to get picked if he's not in that top six T-Dub but he said if he's in the top six he will be on the Ryder Cup team for the United States but isn't this so obvious I can't believe this is even a debate T-Dub 
I mean, it's sad that it is. I could have saw it coming. I mean, you know the PGA Tour wants to do everything they can to make sure, and the powers that be want to make sure that no live players get in the Ryder Cup. That's one of their ultimate goals. But And they thought before, oh, well, we're going to change it from eight captains or eight uh, eight automatically qualified four captains picks to six and six to make it to where, oh, well, if someone got to get seven and eight, we can justify them not making it. But Kepka playing as well as he is, and you have to think as well, he's not going to play much poorly at the U.S. Open and the British Open, which are going to be included in that as well. So he could very well, if he plays good at those, he could be number one. I don't know if he could pass Scheffler, but he could definitely get close if he keeps up this form. And you look at it, he's a 17th-ranked player analytically. He'd be the 10th-ranked player analytically for the, the Americans. So I don't know, Woody, there's no way that you should leave Bruce Kepka off. It's actually it's so sad that this is the world that we live in now where you have to feel like that what should be – just caring about your country and the game of golf, the Ryder Cup, has turned into a political thing, and that's really a damn shame to me, and it honestly really kind of infuriates me the more I think about it. Oh, it should infuriate all of us. It, it's a joke is what it is. Well, it's that's the 29,000 club pros who own the PGA of America who they'd want. You think they would say, I don't want Brooks Kepka on my team? And Brad Faxon summed it up beautifully with Brandel Chambly. And it, it was the one time he kind of shut him up where he just stood there or sat in his chair and stared at him. I thought it was very amusing in a lot of ways. He said, hey, you know, this is golf. We're playing golf. He's an American. He's one of the best players in America. He needs to be on that Ryder Cup team. It's not about live. It's not about PGA. It's about the Ryder Cup team. It's a big difference there. Separate the two. Everybody else seems to get better at doing it. Even uh, Seth Waugh, who is not what I'd call my favorite, he's even admitted if he's on the team, he's on the team. I'm not going to stop it. Well, how stupid would that look if they didn't let him play? So, I don't know. I, I, it irritates me in so many ways. But I got faith in Brooks Kepka. I know he's going to play good at the Open. He'll play good at the British Open. And uh, I think he'll stay in the top six, and it should be a mute point. I completely agree with you, fellas. That kind of leads us to Claude Harmon III, and he did an interview slash uh, article with Golf Week, and uh, he had a lot of great things to say, in my opinion. He kind of said all of the quiet stuff out loud and finally unloaded on a lot of different things in the game of golf right now. So Claude unloaded on Brandel Shambles and Eamon Lynch, he said, quote, Brandel is a paid actor by NBC and Golf Channel. All he's trying to do is get his lines and shows for the Golf Channel. He's just trying to get lines for Brandel. And I mean, I love him. I think Eamon is a fantastic writer. But for Eamon Lynch and Brandel Chambly, who worked for NBC Golf Channel, to utter words like sports washing when the company they work for televised the last two Winter Olympics in Russia and China with the same leaders that they've had. It's not like they were good leaders back then. It's not like Putin was a good guy, right? And then Claude Harmon goes on to say, talking more about the golf side of everything, obviously alluding to the uh, politics of the situation right there, but then he goes on to rip into the legacy golf media saying, listen, there are a lot of people that have gone through this whole live versus PGA tour. There are a lot of people that 
you guys on the tour side of this, I mean, blow smoke up their asses like they're effing world beaters. And some of these guys haven't won tournaments in quite a long time. The fact that Will Zalatoris, by the way, Willie Z catching a stray here, but he says the fact that Will Zalatoris is top 10 in the world is laughable and it has nothing to do with him. He goes on to say, my point with that is you guys all acted like Brooks was a shitty player and Will Zalatoris was great. But the guy has won one effing golf tournament. Yeah, he finished second in a bunch of tournaments. So have a lot of players, but you guys are ready to crown him as if he's the second coming of Christ, and you guys are acting like Brooks Kepka was a bum. He did not mince any words, T-Dub. What are your thoughts uh, on where to start with Claude Harmon? I thought it was phenomenal, and someone needed to say it. It's absolutely beautiful stuff to see. As we had talked about numerous times, when Liv first started, there was no one who was really supportive of them. It was, I guess, you knew the players who were going to it, then that, that made you a little bit more. But the overall media absolutely hated it. And they mostly still do. But there's starting to be some people that are come out and are seeing really the hypocrisy that's on the side of the PJ Tour when it shows that from numerous cases, they're not scared to, to mess with countries that aren't the, the most safe for sure. And yeah, the hypocrisy is just starting to add up, and people are seeing the results in front of their eyes. And Woody, in particular, they're seeing what a good product that Live Golf actually is, and how those players actually still do practice their golf. That they're not washed up. We've had mul- multiple of them either win major, a major like we did last week, or at least contend like they did at the Masters. So it it seems like almost everything that has been a rebuttal from the other side has been debunked in about a year's time. We said it from the get go. If you'll just Put the politics aside. Look at the quality of players. Those guys, they didn't lose their games because they signed for multi-million dollar contracts. It's like a major league pitcher doesn't lose his throwing arm when he signs with a free agency with somebody else, an NFL quarterback that signs with somebody else. Why is it then when the golfer does it, it's a bad thing? That is because it's never been done is why it's a bad thing. So when you've never seen anything, what do you do? You try to beat it up. You can't anymore. It's just what it is. Claude Harmon third finally did what, what Sam just said. They finally said the things that we've all been wanting to say, and somebody finally came out and said it. So I love it. I think it's important to have more and more guys keep voicing their opinions. Obviously, the guys, even the mouthpiece of the PGA Tour, Rory McIlroy, has been very quiet here lately. Who was one of the first guys to hug Brooks Capcom when he came off the 18th screen? Rory McIlroy. Because they appreciate good golf. They know he's a great golfer. And whether he's at Live or on the PGA Tour, it doesn't matter. He's a great golfer. And that's what we need to remember. That's what it's about, guys. Just like Brad Faxon said, it's about playing golf. Put the best players you can out there and let them play golf, see what happens. There's no doubt about that. And Claude Harmon, at the end of this article, said, for some reason, Jay and the guys in Ponte Vedra and a segment of you guys in the media want the fans to choose between Liv and the PGA Tour, and you don't have to. Guys like Phil, he's just a golfer. That's all it is. And people still want Phil's autograph. And he went on to say a lot of other things that uh, we don't really need to get into. Uh, but you can definitely go read that article on Golf Week, fellas. But that's what it is, T-Dub. It's, these guys are just golfers, whether you want to say the hypocrisy of NBC showing the Olympics in Russia and China, or you want to see uh, you know, the, the FedEx, the, talking about the PGA Tour sponsors, that FedEx has pumped over $1.5 billion dollars 
dollars into Saudi Arabia. None of this was ever about politics. It was about the PGA Tour having a competitor for the first time. And the way to get around that was to brainwash the fans into thinking that Liv was bad and they were good, to simplify it. Well, the ultimate thing that he that he said there, and it's one thing that we've been preaching forever, is you don't have to choose between one or the other. It's not like the Civil War. You don't have to go north or south here. Like, you can be neutral when it comes to this. You can do what we're all going to do. We're going to watch the Colonial on Thursday, and we're going to have both of them on on Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. I, it, it's really not that complicated. I don't understand why it had to have gotten to the point that it has, but all the things you just alluded to, Sam, are exactly the reason why. So it's like, I do understand it, but it's just, it's one of those things where the logic of it, I get it, but the, the reason and why does it necessarily need to be this way is what pisses me off. But here we are, and what do you know? We get to watch two great golf tournaments this week, so I'm not going to complain. Hopefully it stays this way for a long time. No doubt about it, fellas. To recap, I am going with Justin Rose at the Colonial, and then I'm going with Cam Smith and Ripper GC at Trump National DC. I cannot wait to watch both of those golf tournaments this week. To end the show here, we have to talk about Rose Zhang winning her second national championship back-to-back years at Greyhawk. And Rose Zhang is just one of the greatest amateur women's golfers of all time. I mean, let me just go through some of her amateur wins. I mean, she won the junior PGA championship that I was talking about earlier. She won that in 2017. She won the U.S. Women's Am. Uh, She won the Rolex Junior Championship. She won the Ping. She won the U.S. Girls Junior. She actually won the U.S. Women's Am before she won the U.S. Girls Junior. Wins the 2022 National Championship. Wins, obviously, the Augusta National Women's Amateur. She won the Pac-12 Championship as well. And now she wins her second NCAA National Championship. We need to be talking about her like she's the next coming of Tiger Woods on the women's side or Annika or someone like that. I mean, th- this is unparalleled stuff we're seeing from Rose Zhang winning her second individual national championship for Stanford. It's been truly legendary run. She's won 10 out of her last 12 tournaments, guys. I mean, that's just absolutely ridiculous. And the two tournaments she did win, she finished fifth and 12th. So definitely nothing to really swipe about in that standard. But no, I, I feel like she's going to have an outstanding career on the LPGA Tour for sure. You just, I, I feel like that really what happened was Michelle Wee came out with such a young stud when she was younger and then she started to kind of fizzle off and didn't have near the career that she has. So I think that's why for the, the young women's game, I feel like we're a little bit less likely to look at them as a prodigy just because she was such a prolific example of kind of fizzling out and not having the best stuff, whether it be injury related and all the different stuff that, that she dealt with. But but no, Woody, I mean, Roseanne, it is a phenomenal player. I mean, I just I watch her play, and you can tell just how much more dominant she is than the other ladies' players. She just has such control of her golf game, and just one of the best short games you'll ever see. It's uh, she's gonna, in my opinion, she's gonna play very successful golf for a very long time. No doubt about it. I watched her play a little bit of that Greyhawk too, because I really hadn't seen a lot of her. It was absolutely astonishing how good she swings the club. She's not a big girl, but she, she manages her game. Like you said, T-Dubber, short game is just absolutely phenomenal. Uh, the question is, how long was she stay at Stanford before she goes ahead and goes out to the LPGA? I don't think it's going to be a Michelle Wee type of situation. I think this girl's going to go out and be like an Annika Soren Sam was. I think she's going to dominate. I think it's going to be great for ladies' golf. Uh, it's just cool to see somebody that talented. I can't wait to see her get on the tour. 
now that we gave Rose Zhang all the credit in the world right there, fellas, we do have to say that Brianna Navarosa beat her 2-1 and one yesterday in match play in the semifinals of the, the match play national championship team portion of the NCAA Women's National Championship. And USC ends up beating the number one seed heavily favored Stanford Cardinal 3-1. to one. And so USC is going to face Wake Forest, uh, a familiar name for Wake Forest. Their two-bag is Eugenia Lopez-Chicara's sister. Carolina Lopez Chikara uh, and Wake Forest absolutely dominated Texas A&M. Wake Forest was the three seed. A&M was the seven seed. And uh, Lopez Chikara didn't even have the chance to finish her match. It was tied through 18 holes. Uh, Walsh's match for Wake Forest was also tied through 17 holes, but they had already secured the three points that they needed in their three other matches. So you're going to have USC versus Wake Forest today at the Women's National Championship. I did notice that USC, after they beat Stanford, one girl picked up another girl and was about to throw her in the pond out at Greyhawk, and the coach came in and stopped it all. They stopped the great moment. Now, was it the right move by the coach since they hadn't won the national championship, or or should they have let the two teammates throw each other in the pond? No, no chance. No, not in the semifinal match. You do that, then there's going to be zero, <laughs> zero chance that you're going to win the national championship, especially against a great team like Wake Forest. I mean, they have Rachel Keene on that team as well, and then uh, Chikara's sisters, you mentioned, they're very loaded. And that's also, you know, we talked about earlier with the OC Eagles. I mean, Wake Forest was the third seed going into this, and USC was the fifth seed. And so, I mean, Woody, Stanford being dominant all year and then being clearly the number one seed just shows how crazy the match play format can be on, on both sides of it. Well, that's the scariest thing about going to match play because when you're talking that much talent, guys, and all these teams have so much talent, not in the girls' division but the boys' division, anybody can beat anybody in match play. You guys, we've talked about that. You get really two good players playing just 18 holes, not 72 holes, 18 holes. Anybody can beat anybody at that level, and that's why that match play is so scary. That's why you don't throw anybody in the lake until you win it all because it's not over the fat lady sings. Isn't that how they say it? So match play is just a different animal, and it's tough to figure out who's going to win at match play. No doubt about it. If Rose Zhang losing 2-1 and one doesn't prove that, I don't know what will. Uh, but we will obviously update you guys on who wins between USC and Wake Forest on Monday when we are back to recap Live DC and the Colonial. We'll also have next week our NCAA men's preview that you are not going to want to miss. Definitely stay tuned to that. Woody, you have one last thing that you wanted to tell the people about before we get out of here, right? Well, it's a little golf tournament in July. You know, I, all, all through these past three years, I've helped the uh, Carl Albert Titan golf team. Well, their coach is putting on a really cool event this year uh, at John Conrad on the 14th and 15th. You and Taylor are playing as a team. We can't all three play together because it's a two-man team. But it's, uh, it's called the Titan Two-Man. It's on July 14th and 15th. It's, it's going to be flighted, so all ages can play. Uh, so we, we get to play in the B flight, is what you're saying? Well, what it what it's based on is age. Believe it or not, the two guys' total age. If it's above a hundred, they play from a more of an up tee. If it's below a hundred, they play from the back tees. Uh, and then I gotcha. after the first 
after the first day, they work on the flighting of how you want to put which which team goes where. It's really it's a fundraiser. That's what it's about. But it's going to be a cool tournament for those guys that have not gotten to play the new John Conrad. It's a great opportunity for them. But what they need to do, they need to contact the coach, and it's John Herbert. His telephone number is five eight zero. 591-1747, or you can go to the Titan, T-I-T-A-N, two-man-golf at gmail.com. And look at the entry. Uh, there's sponsorships available. I know Taylor Gooch has already paid for a, a large sponsorship to back it because he was a Titan golfer, as we all know. So I think it's going to be a really fun event. I, I, I just tell our listeners, Look it up, think about it because I think you'd have a really good good time. I know I'm going to play with my adopted son uh, Caleb King. Uh, we're going to be in that upper division because with my age and his age, we get to play those front tees. So you don't want any part of us. Uh, you might want to stay back <laughs> on those back tees. Um, but I think no, I'm kidding there. We won't be a threat. But what it is is a great opportunity. It's a great cause. Look it up. Maybe think about playing in the Titan two-man on July 14th and 15th. Great so, stuff So, Woody, what there. you're saying yep. with the with the flighting is is that there's a chance that even though you, me, and Sam aren't all going to be on the same team, that we all could still win the tournament. Yeah, so we can keep, we our, undefe- we can keep our undefeated yep. record going. Yeah, I got. I like to believe that you two got a better chance than, my, my, than Caleb and I do, but, but you never know. It's just two days. Who knows if I can get it catch on fire. But it's a great cause, and it's a great tournament. Like I said, I, I love that Taylor has come in and done a $2,000 sponsorship. Uh, Gooch is such good people. And really, it was Kelsey Klein they contacted. Kelsey's such a good dude. So, uh, no, I'm excited about it. I don't play a lot of golf, but for causes like that, I'm really fired up. That is great stuff there. Definitely make sure. And it was uh, June or July. It was July 14th was and 15th. July. Right. 14th and 15th, and like I said, go to what I was talking about. Either go to that uh, website or email address or call Coach. Uh, either way, you can get a hold of them, and uh, I think you'd have a lot of fun doing this tournament. We're going to play Friday afternoon, 18 holes, and then we're going to play Saturday morning, 18 more holes. So, And there's a little skins game thrown in there. It's just, you know what, it's just a great opportunity, good cause, and have two days of fun golf. No doubt about it. Definitely make sure to look up the Titan two-man coming up July 14th and the 15th. Fellas, it's time for us to get out of here on this Wednesday. Sam Humphreys, Taylor Williams, Jim Woodward, as always, thank you to all of our listeners with, with all of our you know engagement we've had over the past couple of weeks with Liv Tulsa and the PGA Championship. Like I said earlier on in the show, we got a bunch of stuff coming up for you guys. Definitely go hit that subscribe button. It's absolutely free, and it just helps us out, and we'll give you a notification whenever we drop a new episode and follow us on social media at the 73rd hole on Twitter and at 73rd hole on Instagram as well. We'll see you guys next week on the 73rd hole podcast, the official podcast of golf, Oklahoma.